0: Hello, and welcome to Start By Listening, the podcast about sexual harm. We are centered on educating and empowering our Western Kentucky communities. Our goal is to transform the way we talk about sexual harm. Transformation begins by listening to understand. We talk so you can listen today and change the world tomorrow. Hey y'all, it's Jennifer, aka The Friendly Therapist, coming to you live from my home office. It is cold, it is snowy, it is icy outside. Um, This week here in Kentucky, we have experienced um, some winter storm weather and some polar vortexes. And so I don't know about y'all, but I am cold and I am ready for the sunshine. I'm ready for spring. I'm ready for the birds and my flowers and plants growing. I just, this cold weather, y'all, I just can't, just can't. But anyway, um, regardless, wherever you are in this world and listening today, I am so excited because I get to talk with you about two of my favorite things in the whole wide world. I get to talk with you about two therapy modalities that I have been trained in and that I use pretty extensively with all of my clients um, in the work I do at New Beginnings. And so if you remember last time um, I spoke with y'all, I talked about shame and what that is and how it can kind of show up in our lives and kind of creep in. And you know, this whole season for me is about what is trauma and how do we work through trauma? And so I wanted to take the opportunity to talk with y'all about EMDR and about NARM. And so, you know, like with any profession, we always have these big fancy acronyms. So I'm going to tell y'all what that means. Um, and so EMDR stands for... I, as in like your eyeball, EYE, movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. That is what the acronym stands for. And NARM stands for neuroeffective relational model. And in the details of the podcast, I'm going to drop some websites for you all to go to and to look through. And, you know, if you're interested in maybe getting in with a therapist who practices EMDR or who practices NARM, I'm going to drop that knowledge so that you can seek that out Um, and you can, you know, begin to work on your trauma. And... Let's see. I think I want to start with EMDR first. That's the first one I was trained in. And, you know, I've been a social worker for over 20 years. I've been a nurse. um, going on, gosh, 12 years now, maybe 13. That sounds a little woo, long term. Um, And then, as you all know, I recently, five years ago, uh, came back into my social work roots, and I kind of left the nursing field. Um, due to burnout, due to compassion fatigue, due to um, just, gosh, a sense of, you know, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I was brought back to my social work roots. And that's the journey that led me to New Beginnings, that led me to becoming a therapist. And I'm now an LCSW. And I remember that I had been working at New Beginnings for about maybe three or four months. And my clinical supervisor said, hey, um, are you ready to get some training um, in EMDR? And I was like what the heck is that? Like, I'd never heard of EMDR. And in my social work program where I went at Spalding University in Louisville, Kentucky, I was on a generalist track, which means just general social work. There wasn't like um, a specific track for therapy. So I didn't really get a lot of the theorists or therapy stuff, um, rather more general. And so I was like, "I, I don't know what that is. Um, so we took a session in clinical supervision, uh, my clinical supervisor, Becky Roby and I, and she kind of broke it down on what EMDR was. And you know what, guys, I still didn't know. I like, I was like, wow, that sounds kind of intense. Um, but you know, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to try this. Let's let's do it. Let's see how this works. Let's see how this kind of therapy feels. And what I'm going to tell you about EMDR is that, um, A, I love it, B, it's phenomenal, C, it's the bee's knees, and I cannot imagine life without it at this point. Um, EMDR works amazing results for individuals who have PTSD, for individuals who have phobias, who have nightmares, Um, It's just really amazing. And essentially what EMDR does is it helps the brain to reprocess those traumatic memories that we have experienced with those really overwhelming and intense emotions, and it makes it manageable. So like if you have a memory that, is really overwhelming to you emotionally and even just the memory itself. And let's say that you're a level 10 out of 10 on distress. EMDR brings that level of distress, that level of emotional reaction down from a 10. And you know, the goal is to get to a zero, but for some people, a zero isn't realistic. For some people, a one or a two is like, whoa, that feels so much better. Um, So it brings down that emotional reaction to where you are able to breathe, you are able to function, you are able to have that memory and not be essentially trapped in those overwhelming feelings about that memory. Um, And the way that works is you work with your therapist and you work on figuring out what are some negative thoughts that you have about yourself. Now, here's the key these are thoughts that we maybe necessarily don't cognitively think about every day. But it's more of that internal turmoil that we feel. It's more of that negative self-talk that we, you know, say to ourselves that can really be attached to that shame, you know, that I talked about in my last podcast. And so it's these negative thoughts and there's lots of them and different ones fit for different people, depending on, you know, what brings you into therapy, you know, because that's one of the main things a therapist is going to ask you, you know, that first session. So tell me, why are you here today? What brought you here? Um, and so it's usually an event that happens in somebody's life, right? That causes them to seek out professional help. So like a negative thought that is really, really common for survivors of um, sexual assault and sexual abuse. I'm not good enough. I'm bad. I don't matter. I'm not lovable. And so just Take in those four phrases there for a moment. And, you know, you do not have to be a survivor of sexual assault to have one of those phrases as a negative thought. Those are just some common ones that I hear over and over and have for the last several years, you know, from survivors of sexual assault as a core belief that they have about themselves deep, deep down inside of them. And so you work with your therapist to develop that negative thought and figure it out. And then what you do is you start to take a little trip down the memory lane and you start with current events. So like in current day, present time, you know, when have you had that negative thought about yourself? And a lot of people have that tied to relationships with friends or, or loved ones, work issues, etc. And so you look at all the current stuff of how that negative thought shows up in your life. And you talk about I remember when. Um, and then you move on to like the past events. When you were younger, you know, when did you remember feeling this way? When do you remember having those memories of feeling that way? And then you move on to like in the future, when do you think that negative thought might show up? Um, so you, that's how you develop this template. It's kind of like your uh, plan for what you're going to work on in therapy with your therapist. And, you know, we get to the core of it, like the earliest memory of when you can remember internalizing that negative thought of maybe I'm not good enough, I'm bad, I don't matter, I'm not lovable. And I'm just using those four, you know, as an example. And that earliest memory of when you felt that or thought that, that's like your touchstone memory. And the theory behind EMDR is that... Within your brain, you have all of these memories on different timelines, on different negative thought timelines, if you would. And it's kind of like the analogy of if you get the root of the weed, then that weed will not grow back in that spot, right? And then you can then plant flowers instead of weeds. And so with EMDR, that thought is, if I can get to the heart of when I first remember feeling this way, and I can process that memory, then all of those memories on that negative thought timeline will also be processed through this neural pathway, through this use of this type of therapy, and once my emotional reaction really comes down to where it's manageable, it feels comfortable I can live with, then I can place a positive thought that I would rather think and feel about myself. So, if a negative thought that I had was I'm not good enough, then A positive thought that I might have about myself is I'm doing the best that I can. I did the best that I could. Um, I am good enough. So a positive thought to counter the negative of I'm bad. I am good. I am lovable. I do matter. I am important. My needs can get met. So those are all different positive thoughts that you develop and you figure out which one works for you. And then we, we plant essentially that positive thought and we create a new neural pathway in the brain that then we've planted all these beautiful positive flowers and how this looks in real life. And I'll share this with you because in order, you know, for us to be trained, we have to kind of have things done with us uh, and to us. And so when I got my EMDR training, I worked with another therapist on something that was bothering me. And so um, what I chose to work on was current situation uh, was on the health of my parents and my parents are older. And so I was really worried and I had a lot of anxiety around their health. I had a lot of nervousness around their health. I felt like I had to control things so that they would be healthy. And it really caused a lot of distress within me. I remember where I could just think about my parents and maybe something happening to them, and maybe them having to go to the hospital, and I would just start to cry. Like, nothing had happened. It was just this anxiety of what could. So that's what I chose to focus on. And, you know, that negative thought that I had is that, um, I have to control everything. And so I worked on that. Um, and within a matter of like 30 to 45 minutes, my distress level, and went from a level, I'm going to say like a 10-9, like snotty nose, crying, like boohooing, like sobbing, to where my emotions just stopped. And I could no longer cry. And I could breathe and my body felt lighter. And I was able to then instill a positive thought of I'm doing the best I can the situation and um, that was accomplished through eye movements hence the eye which is part of EMDR because what EMDR does the way it works is there is a mimicking of eye movements of going um, left to right as in mimicking REM sleep. If you've ever watched somebody when they're sleeping, you're really like, oh my gosh, look at those eyes! They're going crazy. They're just going back and forth, really, really fast. And so that's what EMDR does. It mimics REM sleep. Now you are not asleep while this is happening. You are not hypnotized. None of that. It's just um, a process that allows the brain. To actually take that traumatic memory, to take that traumatic event, that thought that you have, and reprocess it to where it gets to where it needs to be and where it it doesn't cause as much distress. Um, And so that's accomplished through the eye movement, whether someone is using their actual hand going back and forth. Uh, from right to left or left to right, or using the buzzers, aka what we call them, tappers, where it's kind of like a vibration that goes from one hand to the other hand, back and forth. And it can go very fast or it can go slow, depending on what needs to happen. Um, And EHYPDR is a somatic form of therapy. And when I say somatic, what I mean by that is it is... In the body, it is where the body is experiencing those feelings, those emotions, and the body is responding. Um, You might be quite surprised to find out that there's not a lot of talking involved in EMDR. Um, There's just not. It is more of an internal experience from, from the client perspective, It is more of a natural way of allowing the brain and the body to heal from traumatic events and from memories. And it is unlike anything I have ever experienced um, therapy-wise. And, you know, it can be scary when we think about, you know, not talking through our feelings but what i have come to know and understand through the research that i do through the readings that i do through journal articles and books and trainings is that when we experience trauma it is experienced in our bodies and the best way to work out trauma that we have experienced is by working it out through our body, through somatic forms of therapy. And it truly does, you know, make a difference. Um, I have worked with clients that have come to New Beginnings, and, you know, I might be their third or fifth therapist. And, you know, they'll talk about how they worked with another person in the community, and they just never felt better. I mean, it was good information, you know, that they had received and good things, but they just never felt better. And so when I explain what EMDR is and we decide together that EMDR is the course of action for this person um, and we begin the process, it, it's almost like the body is able to sigh and the body is able to let go of those emotional stuck energies that have existed for years due to a traumatic event. Um, And you actually see a person's facial features change and their body actually relaxes um, in the processing of that event. Um, And it is scary because what we have to do Uh, In EMDR is we have to allow ourselves to feel those feelings that we have stuffed That we have covered up that we have avoided for however long it is Um, And that part can be overwhelming and it can be quite terrifying at times, you know for a client and so knowing that Working with individuals who've experienced trauma, we have to go slow And so I start out with current events. I start off with current things that on the distress level are not a level 10 out of a 10. I start off with things that are a three or a four in that level of distress that's attached to that negative thought or memory that they have. And, um, I do that purposefully because our nervous systems, um, have never experienced EMDR before. And so many times a nervous system, when experiencing something new, it can be kind of shocked. It can be kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Hello, what is this? What's going on? Nobody asked my permission. What, what do you think you're doing? And so understanding that something new to the nervous system, we have to go slow to to get the nervous system to adapt, to get the nervous system to accept and to feel safe. Uh, And that's, that's the most important thing is that your nervous system has to feel safe in that moment to allow those feelings to come forward and to be processed. Um, And so that takes some time. And so that's why I think as a trauma therapist, I begin with things that aren't that level of distress or that level of traumatizing on that client's, uh, scale. And so it gives them time to adjust because it is a very different way of doing therapy. You know, most people think when they come to a therapist, Oh, I need to spill my guts. I have to talk about every awful, horrible, bad thing that's ever happened to me. And so this is not the case. Um, EMDR is a way of processing trauma without re-traumatizing a client. And that is a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, And so what can you expect to happen during an EMDR session? Well, you can expect to have um, visualizations of that memory popping into your head. You can expect to see that memory um, almost like looking out a car window as you're traveling through the countryside. So as you're watching the countryside go by, it's kind of the same thing with EMDR. It's like, oh, there goes that memory. Oh, Oh, I remember that. Oh, wow. I remember that. Yes. Oh, there's that memory. And it's, it's a progression. Um, you can expect uh, sometimes to have some really intense emotions that are tied to um, those memories. And you will also have some physical sensations inside your body. You might actually develop like pain, like you might have a very painful shoulder or during a session, or a lot of clients talk about how their throat feels like it's burning or constricted or it's closing off. And that is energy that has been stuck inside of our body moving out, Um, tingles, heaviness within the body, numbness, hot, cold sensation. Uh, Some people have nausea and they become actually nauseated you know, in their tummies, Um, and and I've had some clients that have almost, you know, vomited in a session, Um, and so I have a trash can right nearby, you know, in case that does happen, because all of those experiences are typical, expected, and normal, Um, and sometimes that part can be overwhelming for a client, more so than the emotions, it's like, why is this physically hurting my body so bad? Um, you know, and during that process, I encourage clients, if you need to stand up, if you need to move your body, if you need to raise your arms, you know, whatever you need to do to, to release that stuck emotional energy, that's what I encourage them to do because that's really, really important. Um, and so that's something to expect that it might not physically feel good in that moment, However, what we are trained to do is we don't leave somebody in a state of physical pain or emotional pain. We work that out and we have resources um, that we use to help where we can back that emotional distress level back down to a more relaxed state. Even if that memory didn't get processed all the way, that's okay. Next time we come back, we start again. Um, and it might take several sessions to process one memory. It might take one session to process one memory. It just depends because everybody's body and brain is different. Um So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a little bit about what to experience or what you might experience during an EMDR session. Um, Also, you know, I talk with clients that just know that this brain of yours is amazing and beautiful and phenomenal, and it's going to continue to process even after you leave my office. And what we know is that our brains do a lot of work at nighttime. That's when our brains download information. It decides, Hey, does what happened today? Does that go to short term memory where I don't really need to worry about it or need it to survive life? Or does this need to go to long term memory? And you know, our brains do all this like amazing stuff behind the scenes at nighttime. And we have lots of dreams, right? And um, so when a client is working through and doing EMDR, I always explain to them, you're gonna have some probably really weird dreams. Um, and that's normal. And that's typical. And it's okay. And there is nothing that says you have to um, look into this dream and try to figure out like, why am I dreaming this? You know, it's just the brain's way of just making sense of something, which maybe doesn't make sense to us and our conscious state of being but at the subconscious level and the unconscious level of our brains it makes sense to the brain um you know so when i did my emdr sessions when i was being trained um i will never forget i had this intense dream and i remembered this one where i was on a continual water slide um and a if 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 you know anything about me, I hate water slides. Oh, I hate them. Just cannot stand them Uh, because they make me feel like I don't have control over my body. I have to go wherever the tube wants to go, right? Hence, I'm working on the negative cognition of I have to be in control uh, because I don't want to feel out of control, right? So I had this dream and it was really intense uh, and it was wild. Like I had never, ever dreamed about being on a water ride water slide ever. And so I had to kind of just kind of, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let my body experience this and let my body process this. And I'm not going to hold any judgments here about any of this. Um, you know, I've had other clients experience dreams where they're like, it was bizarre. Like, like I had superpowers or, Um, I saw rainbows and unicorns and kittens and Skittles and, you know, all of that. And all that is normal and all that is typical uh, when dealing with EMDR. Um, And, you know, it can take, like I said, several sessions of actually doing this kind of therapy for your nervous system to go, oh, okay, I get this. I know what this is now. Um, And no matter what you experience with EMDR, know that that is typical and that is normal. Um, And it really is a beautiful process. It is very healing to go through this. Um, And it's very sacred work, you know, when we choose to work on our trauma. Um, And know that it is, Is a journey unlike anything that you have ever experienced? So now you might be thinking, oh my gosh, I need this right now in my life. But how do I even get to find an EMDR therapist? Um, Like, how do I even start. So just know in the details of the comments of the show, I'm going to drop some links for you for, uh, um, which is the credentialing body for EMDR therapists. And it's a way for you to search and find some local, uh, therapists in your area who are trained and provide EMDR. Um, also know that because we are in the midst of a pandemic still, and because of social distancing, etc., you know, many therapists are offering um, therapy sessions via the computer. And so while that is different, um, EMDR can still occur via the computer. There are different programs out there that help with uh, therapists to be able to do the eye movements. Um, And also, therapists teach their clients specific tapping exercises. And when I say tapping, I mean like light taps with your hands on uh, your arms or on your knees. Um, And so all of that is part of learning and being able to have resources to do EMDR. Um, And so before actual EMDR happens... I would say it probably takes about four or five sessions of learning these resources as a client, learning how to use them, learning how to do self-tapping, learning uh, deep breathing work, learning progressive muscle relaxation work as well, because all that works together um, to help the body to be able to process and let go of those trapped um, emotional energies that have existed. Um, so that's kind of EMDR in a nutshell. And again, it's one of my favorite, favorite modalities. Um, and I use it a lot for individuals who have nightmares because um, what we know about survivors of trauma, of sexual abuse, of physical abuse, of domestic violence, that there are lots of nightmares that happen. Um, And those nightmares can lead to sleep deprivation and um, circadian rhythms that are off Um, restlessness and sleep is so important to the body and to the brain. And sleep is a way that our body is able to restore itself during the nighttime. And it's a way that our brain is able to make sense of the day. And if we're not sleeping, none of that gets to happen. And we can feel a little wonky. Um, And so we can target specific nightmares with EMDR um, and specific phobias as well. And again, you know, EMDR, I'm going to say this, it is not for everyone. And that is okay. Um, there are many people who really do want to talk out their feelings. And, you know, that is a, a part of EMDR. But again, a lot of EMDR is not through talk. It is through the client's internal experience of healing their traumas. Um, and so, you know, that's something to talk over with your therapist. Um, and ask them, you know... Could I try EMDR? Um, And know that if you try it out and you don't like it, it's okay. You don't have to do EMDR. You know, you have all the power and control. You have all the choice on what you would like to do on your journey of healing. So just know that. Um, And if you're interested, you can always Google what EMDR is. I'll also put some YouTube links in the comment section. So you will be able to watch some videos uh, that I think maybe perhaps can explain better or add to my description of what EMDR is. And if you're a therapist out there who has never heard of EMDR, that's okay too. I used to never have heard of that. Um, But just know that if this sounds like something that you think would be amazing for your clients and for you personally, I'm going to encourage you to get trained in doing EMDR. Uh, Really, it has been life-changing for me personally and professionally. Um, And I have really, really enjoyed deepening my understanding of EMDR and how it is such a beautiful modality to allow the body and the brain to heal um, in a natural way that works for each individual. So that's my take on EMDR. And I really hope that um, you seek out more knowledge about it to see if this is something you might like to do. And, you know, like I said at the beginning of the program, I also have another modality that I have absolutely fell in love with, fallen, excuse me, fallen in love with, and that is called NARM. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, NARM stands for the Neuro Effective Relational Model. And I had the privilege this summer to attend this basic understanding, basic entry into the world of NARM. And I'll be honest with y'all, like, I, I had no clue what it was. Um, one of my coworkers, Emily, had sent this email out to all of the therapists at New Beginnings about this training this summer. And um, I, y'all, seriously, like... <laughs> I have learned do your research, right? Understand what you're getting into before you do something, and I laugh because I usually am a person to not do that and I'll jump feet first. But I'm gonna tell y'all, do your research. Um, but I heard the word neuro, and I was like, oh, that's all I need. I this gonna be about the brain? Let's do it because I'm all about the brain. I'm all about um neurofeedback. I'm all about how can the brain heal itself from trauma? Just like how our bodies heal from a cut. You know, it's like all of this is within us. We just have to figure out the key and unlock it. So I didn't even know what this was about. I had no clue. Um, I just knew that Emily said this was a great training and she said, it's amazing. And I said, sign me up. So, (laughs) Woo, was I in for a ride? Let me tell you, talk about being on a water slide. Um, I think when the trainers introduced us, and this was, um, this training was an intensive four weekends of a training. Like a Friday, a Saturday, a Sunday. So I'm, I gave up four weekends to do this training, okay? And I will never forget that first Friday when the trainers told us, you will have your life changed by the end of this adventure. And I thought, "Uh, okay, we'll see about this. Y'all, oh my God. I was snot-nosed, vulnerable, crying within the first four hours of this training. And I should have known that something was up with, not only did they have the three main trainers, but they had this amazing support staff of, a, I think, maybe about 20 um, other people who have been through all the NARM training and do NARM. And I've never experienced a training in that way, right? Where you have 20 support staff. Y'all, I should have known. Like, (laughs) I should have known, right? But I didn't. Um, But again, what a great leap of faith, I'm going to call it, that I took by jumping into this training. And so I'm going to spill a little bit of the tea about my experience with NARM and what it is and and how you do it. Um, So again, NARM is a modality that works with complex developmental trauma. And you might be thinking, what the heck is complex developmental trauma? Well, I'm going to tell you. So, that is developmental trauma is trauma that happens to us when we're kids. Uh, And every person in the whole wide world has, to an extent, some form of developmental trauma. It is, it's just, I think, part of life. And so, this type of therapy addresses attachment issues relationship issues, and the developmental trauma experienced as a child. And the hallmark tenets of this therapy, and this was the original, I think, title of Dr. Lawrence Heller's book. It's called Connection, Our Deepest Desire and Our Greatest Fear. Oh my God, y'all, just let that sink in. Connection, our deepest desire, and our greatest fear. And y'all, that shook me. I was like, whoa. Like, I remember I was sitting in my backyard. I had my extension cord hooked up so I could be outside during this training because it was the summertime. It was beautiful. Uh, I was in my rocking chair. I had my umbrella up. I had my iced tea. I remember when they told us that was the original title of the book, but that was just too much and they had to change it. Um, And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is such a profoundly true statement. Like I felt my body move, my nervous system moved when they said that. And trauma comes at different stages and brings different things for children, you know, um, and something that I had never considered, Um, until this training was medical trauma that children experience and just how traumatizing that can be and how that shows up in adult life. And that really began my journey to helping me understand why I struggle so much with connection in general, connection to friends, connection to loved ones, um, connection to myself, connection to my body. And so, you know, and, there's, and I can't go very deep into it because I don't have all the time in the world, but I want you to do your own research. I want you to go out and, and to purchase Dr. Heller's book if you're so inclined to learn. Um, and I'll drop that, too. I found that on Amazon. Um, I'll put that in the comments, too. But sorry, I digress. But there is a reason why I have never felt like I connected or I belonged. And, you know, just a little short synopsis, you know, when I was first born, I experienced birth trauma, unbeknownst to, I think, the OB doctor, uh, unbeknownst to my mother, but I was born uh, with hip dysplasia, and so it wasn't until about six weeks that they figured that out. So I had been in excruciating pain as a newborn and cried consistently and constantly for hours and could not be consoled or soothed. Um, And then they discovered that I had this hip dysplasia. And back then, 45 years ago, there was this thought that children don't experience pain. Um, And God only knows how much trauma the medical world has heaped upon humans Uh, especially children with that thought. And so the treatment 45 years ago was they pulled my hip back into place without any form of pain medication or any kind of uh, anesthesia and then casted me. uh, And I wore a cast uh, on that side of my body until I was approximately two and a half or three years old. And so, what I learned in this training was that um, that important first stage of connection that, as children, we experience in life that feeling of belonging when we are connected to our bodies and to our emotions and to others you know, that did not occur for me um, due to the medical trauma that I experienced. And so, how does that show up in later life when that is not what a child receives? Um, So, that shows up as somebody who is disconnected from others, someone who um, maybe doesn't feel their emotions, uh, avoids them, um, not connected to the body, or not understanding what the body is feeling or needing. And so, here's a prime example of how I made all these connections this summer from the trauma I experienced as a newborn. So it was, um, the year that I got married and y'all, my foot was broken and I had no clue that my foot was broken. Not only did I not know my foot was broken. Um, I actually went to Disney world and spent seven days walking Disney world on a broken foot. When I came back and I said to the doctor, you know, I think my foot is is just a little sore. That was my word, sore. And the foot had already begun to heal. And at that point, if I wanted it to heal properly, I would have had to have surgery. They would have had to rebroken my foot and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, um, it did not register with me that that was not normal that not to not feel a broken foot. And so I put all these connections together this summer through this amazing training. And so I have been working very diligently on reconnecting with myself and reconnecting with others. And it is a very, very tough struggle at times. Um, But I began to understand some of the behaviors that I exhibit as an adult that I I just never saw anybody else. And I just thought, oh, maybe I'm just weird. Maybe I'm just strange. Um, But what I came to realize is that I experienced trauma at a very early age that showed up in a different way. Another theme in life is the theme of attunement. And attunement is the ability to know what our bodies and our nervous system needs and to follow through with that. And so a lot of times how this might show up um, as trauma for a child is, you know, to have a parent who is maybe struggling with anxiety or dealing with depression, uh, maybe postpartum depression as well, which is very typical after giving birth. And maybe a parent who struggles with addictions. And so that parent is not able to fully attune, you know, to the needs of that child. And so that shows up in later life by maybe uh, as an adult, um, of not being able to fully express what your needs are. Um, not being able to ask for what you need, um, because as a kid, that attunement was not there. And I probably should have said this from the beginning, but let me preface this. This is not, this is not going in saying, oh my gosh, all of these awful things have happened to me. And now, you know, I am just this person who, who cannot do, cannot be. That's, that's not the case at all. This is an awareness. This is an understanding um, to help us to understand, maybe as an adult, why we do the things we do. There's no shame here. There is no blame here. This is just an awareness. Um, And I believe fully that in life, once we become aware of something, now we have the power and the choice to choose and to do something different if we want Another life theme in NARM is trust. And so, you know, we trust ourselves and we trust others and we feel safe to allow interdependence to happen. And so, you know, if a child has experienced developmental trauma on this level of trust, um, then that might show up in looking like an ind- a person who is fiercely independent, who has to control everything and has to not rely on on anyone else because when as a kid we did rely on, on a caregiver that it just wasn't there. It didn't happen. Um, so that's another life thing and there are five of them. And so the fourth one is autonomy. And, and as an adult, uh, a healthy uh, sense of autonomy is the ability to say no and to set boundaries and limits with people and the ability to speak our mind without guilt or fear And so, you know, if as a child, if autonomy was not allowed in our household, or we were not shown what autonomy looks like in a healthy way, that might show up in an adult as um, an individual who, you know, puts themselves last all the time. An individual who doesn't have good boundaries, personal or professional, who can't say no, because if I say no, maybe that person won't like me anymore. Or maybe they won't want to be my friend or maybe, and you can just go on and on and on. Um, And that's what autonomy is. And then the fifth uh, life theme that comes through at NARM is this love sexuality. And so a healthy sense of this as an adult is where our heart is open and we have loving relationships with people who are important in our lives. And so how this might show up in somebody who had this level of developmental trauma in their life is that, you know, their heart is not open. They don't trust relationships and they've maybe never had that kind of loving, uh, connected relationship with someone. Um, So those are the five themes and those are, can be experienced at different ages, you know, um, when they, that developmental trauma shows up and just to normalize for everyone that's listening and to validate for everyone that is listening is every human being has pieces of all five of these developmental trauma themes. Um, because it is just, it, it is, um, and some of us have more than others. Some of us um, have less than others. And it's neither good nor bad. It just is. Like I said, when we have awareness, then we have the power to make a change. And we have choices. And so what NARM does, it looks at these five themes. And it brings awareness into our lives. And it NARM helps to bring organization of the parts of ourself that are disorganized or dysfunctional from that level of trauma that we experienced as a child. And um, it's done in a way that is not re-traumatizing an individual because we don't relive those memories. Rather, what NARM does is it says, what do you want to talk about today? There's a contract that is made between the therapist and the client. There's an intention of what is to be accomplished. Um, There is no set standard. There is no set guideline of what should or should not be done in a session. It is from a clinical perspective. It is a session built on the framework of curiosity, of connection, of intention, It is also built on the framework of noticing and helping the client to notice what is going on in their body. So this is also, NARM is also a form of a somatic experience in therapy. Now, where NARM and EMD are different is NARM is talking, um, but it's talking about how these maladaptive behaviors that were used to help us survive Childhood to survive the trauma we experienced, it, it it brings them into the light of currently. Like, how does that look today for you? We're not gonna go back and we're not gonna, you know, rehash what happened in your childhood because that's in the past. What we know is that healing of trauma occurs in the moment in the present day, it occurs through the body, it occurs through the awareness of what our body is experiencing in that moment. And it is through the emotions of anger and sadness that we are motivated toward healing and change. And so that is how NARM works. It's having a clinician who is trained to watch the subtleties of body movements of understanding and bringing awareness to the client. For example, where are you feeling that this moment inside your body? And just sit with that. Just notice that. Um, That's how NARM is. It's using your nervous system. It's using mindfulness techniques. And it's using somatic themes to help a client learn how to regulate and manage emotions. And to begin to um, unweave those maladaptive behaviors that served us in childhood, helped us survive the unthinkable that happened to us in childhood. But now as an adult, it it doesn't serve us. It doesn't help us. It, It doesn't bring meaning to our life, you know? And so... With NARM, it links the psychological issues with the body response, and it's supported through the nervous system through regulation. And there is co-regulation between nervous systems. And so, you know, as a therapist, my nervous system, I've got to be in a state of, of safety and in a state of relaxation and in a state of... Harmony so that my nervous system can begin to speak to my client's nervous system and can begin to help my client to co-regulate with me, you know, um, with the deep breathing, with the progressive muscle relaxation, with the curious, um, nature that exists. And so, NARM supports connection between nervous systems and between people. It supports the organization of the self. Um, NARM really allows us to explore who we really are. Um, It's in the present. It's not focused on the past or the future. Because while we know, healing happens in the present moment. And it's that co-regulation. So, you know, if you seek out a NARM therapist, a therapist who's trained in NARM, what can you expect? You can expect um, a curiosity uh, from your therapist and you can expect to be curious yourself. You know, why when I was talking about this, why did I notice that my chest got really heavy and tight? Like, what is that about? As a client with NARM, you can expect to have body sensations. You can expect emotions. And you can expect your therapist to continually bring you back to the present moment. So if we, you know, get off on a little side sidebar about talking about our past, a therapist is going to gently bring you back. Okay, so let's stop for a moment and let's think about how is that showing up right now in your world, and in your life. So that's, that's kind of norm in a nutshell. Um, and I hope you were able to hear in my voice, the passion that I have and the love that I have for both of these modalities equally, um, you know, as a therapist, I think it is imperative that I do my work and I heal my trauma uh, that I have lived through and survived. Um, because that is what. I think helps me be the best therapist and the best person I can be. And, you know, these are two modalities that I have personally experienced in my own therapy journey. And both have shed a lot of understanding and light, um, and have really helped me to maneuver, um, those waters, And so, again, I I cannot encourage you enough just to check out the resources that I'm going to be putting in the comment section for this uh, episode of this podcast. And I really hope that you've enjoyed this as well. Um, As always, you know, if you need to drop an email, uh, that's also in the show comments. I would love to hear from you. Um, Any questions you might have. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time to sit with me this hour and to learn maybe something new that you didn't know before. Um, And I'm super excited for my next podcast, which will be coming in March. In March, I'm going to talk about the polyvagal theory. And I'm also going to be talking about the safe and sound protocol. And y'all, as much as I love EMDR and NARM, I cannot tell you how much I love polyvagal theory and the safe and sound protocol that was developed with Dr. Stephen Porges. And I'm telling you, life changing. Gosh, there's so much we're learning about our brains and trauma. I just love this journey of learning. And I'm so grateful to have you all with me. And I just want to say, have a lovely week. Have a lovely day. Keep warm. Keep safe. Um, And until next time, see you soon. Well, we made it to the end of our episode. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to thank VOCA for funding our podcast. VOCA stands for Victims of Crime Act. This project was supported by grant number VOCA 2020, Green River 00026, awarded through the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet by the United States Department of Justice. The opinions, findings, conclusions, and recommendations expressed in this publication, program, exhibition are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Kentucky Justice and Public Safety Cabinet or the U.S. Department of Justice. We also want to give a big shout-out and a thank you to Seth Hedges of Uriah Wild Media. He is the amazing individual who created the beautiful music for our podcast. We thank you so much, Seth. I'm going to encourage you to go check out his stuff. He's pretty talented and awesome. You can find him at www.uriahwild.com. That's www.uriahwilde.com. And finally, we want to give a really special shout out to Rodney Newton for being our amazing technical advisor. He has spent several Saturdays and days throughout the week to help us get this podcast up and going. Rodney, you are our captain. And finally, we hope that you'll take something you heard today and change the world tomorrow. Join us next time on Start By Listening. And as always, please remember that New Beginnings is here for you to listen or help 24 hours a day. Just give us a call. 1-800-226-7273.